Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Room Podcast with Neil Griffiths, presented by the Handshake Media. Thank you for tuning in, thank you for listening. My guest on this week's show is a legend in the California punk rock scene. They have a new album out right now. John Feldman of Goldfinger, also one of the most in-demand producers in the US right now, join me on this episode to talk about Goldfinger's brand new album, Never Look Back. It is out right now. Uh, John joined me from his LA home to talk about the album, what's been going on, especially in California in the last couple of months with COVID. Uh, the bands he's worked with this year alone, the used, we know that a Blink record is in the works. We talk about that a little bit. And also, when the hell Goldfinger will come back, fans of the band will know that they toured Australia in early 2019 with Melancholin, actually, and he wants to come back. They do have plans to come back. It's just a matter of when. So here's my chat with John from Goldfinger on the Green Room Podcast. Check it out. All right. Welcome to the Green Room Podcast, Mr. John Feldman. Welcome, sir. Juan Felchman to you, my friend. This is Juan like, Felchman. We um we like literally met all of sixteen seconds ago. I just said, fuck this, let's just get straight into it because it's awkward just having to sit here quietly on Zoom while we're setting up. So we're getting straight into it. It's it's uh it's good to meet you. Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Love it. It's um it's been a couple of days now. Goldfinger's new album, Never Look Back, is out. It's out in the world. How do you feel now that it's uh it's finally in fans' hands? Well, I feel great. I mean, people seem to love it. So if it went the other way, I wouldn't be feeling so good. If it was like all shit reviews and people were like, go back to selling shoes. What's (laughs) wrong with you? You know, if it was like that, then I guess I'd have a different opinion. But I'm very, I'm very excited, man. People seem to be like nostalgic about it, that it feels reminiscent of the first album, which I'm, which I was really happy to hear from a a lot of our fans. And we just put out the wall flower video today, which is filmed here at my own house in my backyard with, so it's like, I didn't have to go anywhere. I made my, made my album at my house. I filmed the video at my house. I'm talking to you from my house. It's like, it's fucking awesome. I love it. Have you adapted to that? I mean, like even me doing this podcast, I've never really fucking used Zoom at all. Now it's really all I'm doing, especially during COVID. And you just said you filmed this film clip at your house. It, the, the desert scenes for this for this clip, Warflower. How close is that to your house as well? It's my backyard. That's Holy just, shit. That's my de- decimated, like, I, I own like two and a half acres out here in Calabasas, or as my friends call it, Calabasas. So out here in Calabasas is pretty desertish. I mean, it's like, I mean, I guess what I've adapted, I was looking at my screen right now, like my computer screen is just covered in like spit because I, I keep, I'm talking, basically I'm talking to my con- computer screen, which is, I mean, it's given me a lot of clarity on how my conversations must go with real humans. <laughs> I mean, I must really get them soaking wet it's awful <laughs> it's not the best time to be spitting on people either how how are you going how is california going because i mean i don't want to brag but australia is doing pretty well as far as the pandemic and and coming out the other side i mean it feels like uh 2020 still i mean it doesn't feel any fucking different than it did in the beginning of the year like we're in complete lockdown no no eating outdoors no eating indoors i mean everything is like takeaway food and it's just fucking ridiculous i mean the whole thing is like um look i get it i get that it all funnels down 
to, I want to keep my mom alive. You know, that that's what it all for me, what it funnels down to, because we know so much more about this than we did nine months ago, but yet my kids still aren't in school. Mm. You know how many children under the age of 18 have died of COVID in California? Zero fucking zero. And my fucking kids can't go to school. My daughter doesn't have the experience of going into middle school. My son doesn't have the experience. And look, I get it. But I feel like, I mean, teachers should have a choice. If teachers choose to, you know, wear a mask and and teach from behind a fucking, um, you know, uh, a plastic screen that they should, my kids should have that experience to me. It's just, it's tough, man. That part of it's tough. Watching Mm. my kids struggle, staying home. Just, I mean, when I say struggle, I deliver Starbucks to them in the morning. They basically stay in their pajamas all day. During recess, they play fucking Fortnite. So they're not really struggling. <laughs> I think it's the parents that are struggling. <laughs> yeah. Do you anticipate with, with Biden coming in in January, allegedly, that he's going to put more lockdowns in place? Or is it going to stay I think, where you're at I right now? I think so. But look, I mean, I don't know, dude. I, I mean, I'm so tired of i mean i think we're almost done i think the vaccine's a couple months away and i think we'll be i'll be where are you at are you in sydney Sydney. yeah yeah i mean we'll be where do we play there the roundhouse is that where we play that's where you played last time yeah 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 so we'll be at the roundhouse my guess the end of next year like fucking rocking i'll be naked on stage (laughs) spitting on everybody i do i was gonna say like fuck it it doesn't feel that long ago. I mean, it's not that long ago, but it feels like an eternity ago. Goldfinger were here only in what March of 2019. Yes. Yeah, with Melancholy. We were. It was the it was the most fun I've ever had on tour. We had Chris Cheney from the Living End yeah. on lead guitar. I mean, it was like, what more could I have ever asked for? Ever. It was like it was like Chris Cheney, Mike Herrera. I mean, it was like I had this all star lineup. I had. I mean, when we played Sydney, I, I think. Um, I don't know, someone from the Dune Rats came and played with us, I think. It was it was rad. Bert from the Used came and sang with us. It was really fun. What was the, the connection with Chris? Do you guys go way back? Um, I go pretty far back. I mean, I've always been a fan of the living end. He's my he is literally, when I say my favorite guitar player of all time, I mean he is that guy. He's got the roots in punk rock that makes him play with that kind of like looseness, that raw energy, but he's got the chops of like, you know, Brian Setzer and all those kind of OGs, you know, and he can just shred, but he's just got like such a sense of, I mean, it's like that Joe Strummer in him, the way he kind of plays with his, with his right hand. It's just like nobody I've ever met. And I, I, um, I went and saw, I think I went and saw the living end uh god it must have been 1997 i saw them at the roxy and i and i just said i'm a fan i mean goldfinger was already doing really well he knew who i was you know he was he actually when we toured he in melbourne he brought he went home and he brought a picture of of me signing his uh goldfinger cd when he was i mean he's probably 10 years younger than me you know so he was a little kid when i was in my mid-20s when i started goldfinger so that was fucking rad but, um, but yeah, I mean, I brought him into a couple sessions to write. I almost produced some living end, uh, like, like I almost was that close to producing a living end album. Um, I'm trying to think of how we got really tight, but I mean, we're fucking thick as thieves. I love that kid. And I brought him into the two, actually, when I was making the used last album, I brought him in and he was like, 
let's just do some like AC started the session out. Let's just do some ACDC riffs. And Bert, the singer of the used was like, ACDC is the worst band of all time. <laughs> and it was like, it was like the session was over like that. It was over. Was this, wait, is this in Sydney or was this in LA? It was in LA. Oh, this geez. is when Chris was living here and Bert was, uh, was here making the, the last album with me. Right. Okay, cool. So that was what you said before is a perfect segue uh, when you met Chris at the Roxy. Are you guys still scheduled to play there this week? We are um, doing a uh, we are doing a live event this week yep. um, on Thursday. It is, I mean, it's obviously online. It's like you know for online ticket sales or whatever, however the fuck they do it, you know. And I think I think there's a couple packages where you get a you know meet us after the show on on like a FaceTime call. So it's not like OnlyFans. I'm not like taking <laughs> off my pants or anything, but it's like whatever you can talk to me about microphones. I don't know what the fuck someone wants to talk to me about, I guess, preamps, uh, compressors. <laughs> <laughs> what, what for a man who loves to get involved with the audience and, and literally and figuratively jump on them. How the fuck is this going to work with a live stream show? Um, that's a good question. I mean, we should have, yeah, we should have everyone on, on these, on their, on the zoom computers and put <laughs> every separate computer up and then I'll just jump. It'll be like this, like just jumping <laughs> on, jumping on the camera. And everyone just and, throw and, water uh, on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I get, I fuck. I, I've never done anything like it. Hopefully fingers crossed. I'll never have to do anything like it again mm. in the, for the rest of my life. Because I mean, a live audience is what, I mean, that's how I get 90% of my energy mm. is people singing back. I was working with this kid last week. Who's never played a live show. He got signed to a record deal off of a, a Fortnite video. His one of his songs that he did on his own got put in a YouTube Fortnite video and it got went viral. He's got almost a hundred million plays off this, um, uh, on on Spotify off of this YouTube song wow. and he's never played a show. He's only been in the studio. And I'm like, well, what's your, like, what are your goals? Because for me, my goal, my goals were like when I was a kid, like getting laid for sure, because I, I how do I do that unless I'm in a band? So I have to get that happen. And then to have people sing along, see a circle pit, like have people on stage, stage diving, like they were at suicidal tendencies and social distortion. When I was a kid, I want the same audience. I want that energy, you know, and I want people, I mean, like I said, I want people to sing along to words I had written. And he's just like, no, I don't want any of that. He's like, I just want like a little gold plaque that says I've, I've gone, my single's gone gold on Spotify. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> fuck that. That's a big ask. Um, dude, it's so good to have you on because particularly the last few years has been very interesting time for you uh, working with the names you mentioned the used obviously on their last album Heartwork, which is probably one of my favorite albums of the last decade. Um, Thank you. Obviously blink the, the Grammy nominations. And now you're jumping back in with a new album with Goldfinger. Is it an easy transition for you at this point in your career to say producing this day, Goldfinger this day, or are you favoring one over the other right now? I mean, typically Goldfinger's like a touring scenario. So when I've got my Goldfinger time on the calendar, it's like I know I'm going to be in front of a live audience and I'm going to be able to like, you know, get all the energy out. Because when I'm stuck behind my board and I'm just like, you know, editing or recording vocals or comping and all that shit that you have to do when you make albums, it's like, like there's enough time of that goes by where I'm looking forward to having to go back on tour. And then when I'm, when I'm 
you know, three weeks into a tour, I'm like stoked to get back to the studio. But this time it's been like just stuck in the studio. And like Goldfinger means filming a quarantine video with my fucking GoPro. Like, you know, that's, that's, it's not quite the same thing, but I mean, typically I make, like I'll make, you know, whatever, like I'll make a stick to your guns album back to back with like a Hillary Duff album. So it'll be like, I'll have enough ripping guitars, double kick drums, whatever. And then I'll, I'll, I'll need a break and go into just all programming and, you know, basically like just programming synths and drum machines and stuff on a pop album. And so I'll have like a good balance of all of it. Um, but this time because of COVID it's been, it has been challenging. I can't just get out there and like, you know, hug people in, mm. and step on their heads and hug them. Yeah. You mentioned that I think earlier in this podcast as well, that this new album kind of feels like those earlier Goldfinger records. And obviously we've got Charlie back in the lineup. You've got Mike from MXPX, obviously there's Philip famously from story of the year. You have a very good knack of bringing bands, including Goldfinger back to the roots when you made this album was that the entire premise let's go back to what we we came up on um never look back with which is kind of a kind of a it's an odd title for an album (laughs) someone pointed this out to me it's an odd title for an album that has the space girl on it from our first album it has charlie back in the band has a song called golden days about you know me being a kid and it's called never look back but i just like when i listen to the album on there's a track called the city which is track two and the and the the lyric goes never look back never look back and it's just kind of like about you know the idea of the trajectory of life that at least in my life it's it has been this really slow, you know, moving graph of going up in the upwards motion. And it's like, that's, you know, nobody has a crystal ball, right? Like Steve Jobs says, you, you can only track your life by connecting the dots, looking backwards to see how you got from point A to point Z. And it's like, I can do that or Z as you would say, right? <laughs> so I'm, all, I'm, I'm just here and, and, and saying, look, I'm not going to keep looking at what I've done. I'm always looking ahead at what is next, you know, because they being nominated for, you know, a couple Grammys is fucking awesome, but like, let's win a fucking Grammy. You know, that's kind of what I mean, you know, and what is next for Goldfinger? It's like, I want to, I want to just grow the band. I, I, I think that we're probably bigger now than we've ever been in the history of our band. You know, certainly the, like the numbers, like, I mean, I think last time I looked, there was like 9 million plays on Facebook on the, on the Superman quarantine video, Mm. which is like, um, I mean, that's bigger than anything we've ever done. And I feel like the last, the 25 year anniversary of Warp Tour that we did uh, last summer was the, was the biggest, I mean, it was one of the biggest crowds of the day. And it was like, I just, I could feel that sense of nostalgia and this new audience that is like, you know, kind of like discovering what punk rock is, you know, what Southern California punk rock is, especially what ska is, what reggae is and all that. These young kids that have been exposed only to, you know, pop music or Billie Eilish or TikTok or whatever. Like, what is this other thing that's over here that... I mean, it's definitely nostalgic music, but there's a new, I mean, I hope what I do is relevant sonically. I hope I make records that don't just straight up sound throwback. I mean, I hope. 
that that's exactly what I was thinking. Like with these Goldfinger records, I even mentioned the used before. What is the secret to, to walking that line of nostalgia and new and relevant? Because again, something like Heartwork, to me, is probably one of the used best records since the self-titled. It, because it sounds so much like the olden, but it's it's new, it's different, it's relevant. And I don't really know how to even fucking explain it in words. Do you have a secret to that? Well, I mean, look, I, hopefully I'm always evolving as a producer and, and as new virtual instruments and new plugins come out that I'm always experimenting with sounds and and I'm definitely influenced by what my kids listen to and it's not like I mean most of my friends that I went to high school with are like new music sucks there's no more guitars it doesn't it's not like fuck you it it used to be used to be dangerous i'm like it is still is fucking dangerous i mean go to a fucking travis scott concert and sit in the fucking front row and feel <laughs> you're not gonna feel safe i promise you you know or ghost main or fucking you know josiah anything there's so much like modern hip-hop it's like so scary live that it's just wild you know um but it's like i mean i feel like uh i feel like being how do you not be influenced by what's happening culturally around you i mean i listen to the radio i i listen you know when i'm walking around if i'm shopping at at the mall it's like music is being blasted out i'm hearing it everywhere i go on on tv or on the internet so it's like um i'm always influenced and once in a while like someone like Billie eilish will come along and like her brother phineas just kind of like comes out of left field and you go holy shit I've never heard anything that sounds like this. And then you kind of like figure out ways. How do you incorporate that into whatever you're working on? If it feels organic, if it feels natural, I never, I mean, I'll, I'll experiment all the time in the studio, but I'm never like, it has to be this way. And a lot of times I'll, I'll think it'll be a great idea, but once I apply it, it's like, this is shit. Mm. And I'll take it out immediately before I even play it to the band. You know, I'll just experiment on my own early morning before they get in, you know, cause I'm up at six, the band starts at noon. I'm always like tweaking on shit. So, um, I mean, hopefully I, I really, I really love this new used album. And I feel like we were able to use a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, this band is, I mean, obviously Bird is not a, a rapper. I mean, they're not a hip hop act, but I feel like we incorporated a bunch of kind of sounds from modern hip hop into this record to make it feel um, 2020, which I think we did. Mm. What's your role as a, as a producer with that then? I mean, if you're talking about when you get in the studio with Bird or even Blink, for example, is your role to service what they are looking for or do you come in and say you know what i think this is what you should or need to sound like for this record i mean i would never say this is what you need to sound like but i mean i appreciate the question um i think my job has always been to steer the ship the band says we want to we want to get a wider audience. We want to be more pop. We want to be less pop. We want to have more guitars or we don't want any guitars, whatever it is their vision is for the album to have like a concept album or to, you know, have an album filled with all singles. So it's my job to stay on course. And then when the bass player comes up to me on the side, day four into it and says, you know what? I don't, I just don't agree with the guys. I want to make it. It's my job to say, Mr. Bass player, you know, um, we're all in this together, you know, like our common welfare comes first, right? So we have to look at the common goal of the band and to keep it on. And then it's my job as a psychologist to say, you know, I'll give you what you want, but we've got to kind of live under these parameters that you guys already defined for me. But, um, you know, I mean, everyone's different. I mean, you know, Mark Pappas is, uh, 
Mark, Mark and Bert are very similar and, and they're very well read. They're like two of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. And, uh, but they're both very different. Their, their personalities are very different from, from another. And so, I mean, both, both of them have, you know, completely different wants in the studio. And I, I think a lot of time, Mark, um, you know, I can't step to Mark's lyrical prowess. I mean, he's like one of the greatest lyricists of all time. And, you know, I guess I could, you know, I, I, I can definitely say the same thing for Bert as well. So once in a while, it, it, my job maybe with Mark is to, you know, how do we simplify the lyrics a little bit to, you know, what's the chorus going to say? Maybe there's too many words or maybe the concept is too big. And then I'll suggest something that's maybe simpler or whatever. Or maybe if it's just him and I, I'll pick up a guitar and I'll say, here's a, you know, to his epic bass, you know, his bass chords, I'll come up with a counter melody to kind of go um, to coincide with what he's doing to make it kind of connect in the moment. Mm. But it's always different. I mean, every day, there's no day ever the same, which I love about being in the studio. With Blink, does it surprise you or stun you? Or was it perfect timing that, because I touched like just with Chris Chaney, I, I can't imagine you don't also don't go way back with the Blink guys. It's, it's um, the, you know, Blink, Blink, I think even before 182 came in the picture, opened for Goldfinger a bunch. Mm. They opened for us at the Troubadour. It must have been 1996. Uh, they opened for us at Snowcore. It was um, Blink opening for Real Big Fish, opening for Goldfinger. And uh, that was the whole tour. And it was like, the guys were so nice. They were always, this is before Travis. And then the Aquabats opened for Goldfinger a bunch. And so Travis would ride on our, on our bus. So I've, I've known all those guys for years and years. And um, yeah, I mean, the relationships go really deep. So does it surprise you then that it took this long for, for someone to turn around and be like, hey, John, we want you to, to work with us on our new album? Yeah, damn it. Why didn't it happen <laughs> earlier? Um, no, I mean, come on. Jerry Finn's, uh, uh was one of the greatest producers of all time. Of I course. mean, his Alkaline Trio records is, I mean, everything that he, that guy, that guy's done. I mean, I, I looked up, I mean, every time I'd see him, I would, I remember literally at, uh, Adrian from No Doubt had a huge party after the weenie roast one year and it was just Jerry Finn was there. I mean, I'd met him a bunch. He's always, but he was always such a legend to me, but I just cornered him at this party and I'm like, what's your bus compressor? What do you use for your vocal chain? How do you comp vocals? Like I literally, like I was just starting out as a producer back then in the, in the nineties. And, um, and he was just so kind. He lent me a guitar when I was producing this band show off. I mean, he just, the, he was just always the best to me. Just, legend do you think you looking back on on especially in those 90s when you were still with like golfing were touring heavily throughout the states were you probably one of those few people at those parties that were hustling and trying to get in with the other producers as opposed to just getting fucked up um well i mean i've, I've been sober for a long time so it was never you know golf i've been sober all of goldfinger so i i just i i haven't it was never about getting fucked up and but it may have been about meeting, meeting girls, I guess, back in the early days before I met my wife, you know, um, it, it may have been about that, but, but I, I guess the beginning days of Goldfinger, I wasn't really thinking I was going to be a record producer. I thought, I thought Goldfinger was going to become like, you know, this, ma you know, this, this massive, like whatever, uh, the red hot chili peppers or, 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 or Jane's addiction or some, like I thought we were going to become, and it just, it, it was never meant to be. And, and as Goldfinger progressed, I just basically offered my services as I have I owned like a little 12 track recording device. And so I just offered my services to bands. And I, you know, after, after the second band got signed to a record deal, I just, I, I, I it just clicked in my head. Hey man, maybe I can do this. 
Um, maybe this can be something that I can do as a career. And, and, and you know, I was there, there wasn't really anyone to help out with Goldfinger's first two albums. It was really me that, I, you know, kind of having to do everything, you know, EQ and compress, record myself. And so I, I had enough experience. And so by the time I found the used, I mean, I had already spent like 10,000 hours in the studio producing like, you know, a dozen or so bands. And so I feel like at that point in my life, everything kind of came to be. And the used became such a, uh, an inspirational and, and like uh, they, they just became this band that changed the trajectory of modern rock radio that I said, I, I have to focus on helping these kids sort of like find their way. I got them a lawyer, a manager. I got them signed to a record deal. I did all this stuff for the use. And so at that point, I just felt so good. I mean, it felt so good, like as a win, an overall win for a bunch of kids from Utah that no one gave a fuck about mm. um, that. I like, I'm like, I have to be able to do this for other artists. Yeah. I just, just come to mind then Bert was on the podcast whenever Heartwork came out in April and we were talking a bit about you and his relationship with you professionally and personally. And he spoke a bit about his own, you know, experiences with drug and alcohol abuse. And th- at one point he kind of up and just disappeared because he, he didn't like the fact that used, the used had gotten famous and he didn't want to deal with fame. And you, along with the band, kind of reeled him back in and helped him through that. Yeah, I remember, um, I mean, even before they got famous, we're making the first album when I was living back in Marina Del Rey. And I mean, he, he always struggled with, you know, all of it. Like, I mean, like so many, like all of us humans, are we ever enough? When are they going to find me out? Am I going to, you know, like I'm a phony, like poser or whatever, all that shit that people deal with. Like, I mean, Bert really struggled. Um, you know, he, he sobered up for a couple of weeks during the first album, but he went missing for, I don't know, almost, almost a week. And it was like, I mean, back then no one knew who the used were. It was like, we only had, you know, a couple of weeks to make the album, maybe a month. And he disappeared for a week with this girl. I think he went to Santa Barbara and I was like, what the fuck am I going to do without the lead singer, man? It was, it was tough. And it's, you know, it's tough kind of being, I'm sure it was tough for him knowing he was letting us down and being like, you know, his own version of a failure. And then us, the band and I stuck at the house going, holy shit, man, what have we gotten ourselves into? Mm. Do you know one of my first experiences seeing John Feldman on camera, apart from obviously knowing Goldfinger's early records and especially me being young at the time, Tony Hawk, so I knew Superman, the video you did with the used the the prank video where you're this nutcase producer screaming at everyone. I thought that was legit. So did many other fucking people. Did that joke land at the time? Because again, I would have been fucking 12 when that video came out. Did people know that was a joke and I was just young and dumb? I mean, I... <laughs> it's a great question because I, str- I struggle with this, my own... I struggle with my own personality, like probably other humans as well. Like the idea of... Um, like I'm very... I'm very intense and I have very strong opinions and, and like, like a lot of us in the music business, like the kind of music we love, we will die and kill for. And the music we hate, we're, we're not, we're going to be very vocal that this music fucking sucks and you need to think it sucks too, or we can't be friends, you know, like that sort of mentality. Um, and obviously the video was a joke. Obviously I wasn't like <laughs> forcing Quinn in the little cap in, in the closet with the guitar, like crank. I mean, I was, you know, and, and Bert came in like, 
And Bert was like kind of late to the joke because he was outside smoking and we just came up with it real quick. And so Bert kind of didn't know it was a joke. So when you see him bust in the room, he's like, what are you doing to Quinn? And I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to like give him a little wink in between the camera and, and <laughs> Quinn. But it was like, I've had so many people in bands, especially that are like, I saw that video and I just thought you were the gnarliest guy of all time that you fucking yelled at these dudes to like get, you know, to be able to make the record that they made. And I was sort of taking the piss out of some producer stories that I had heard at the time about like how other producers work, because I'm certainly not that guy, but a lot of times, like I've, I've even had, um, you know, because I am so opinionated and, and, and I do have a way about me that just is what it is. It's the way I was fucking born um, that, uh, you know, I've had people that I've worked with in the past that will probably not work with me anymore just because of personality differences. And that's OK. Look, if if everyone fucking likes me, man, I'm not doing I'm just not doing my job. Yeah. I mean, you work with that many different acts and bands, right? Like from, you know, mess, story of the year, real big fish, goldfinger, blink all the way to, you know, even Australian bands like Five Seconds of Summer and the Veronicas. You're not just sticking into one genre, are you? No, like I said earlier, I've got to, I've got to mix it up. And it's like, you know, I think I made an Ashley Tisdale record and then the next the next record I worked on was the Dune Rats. So it's like, it's, it's got to be like, you know, this thing, I was meditating every day and working out with, uh, with um, Ashley and we were like just talking about and, like lighting candles and flowers and then the dune rats would come out when we wrote a song um, called like something about his bong like uh, <laughs> fuck I, um, if I my know bong this, I know talk, the song. Yeah, yeah, that's the name of the song and it's like so I've got to I've got to be constantly kind of moving from space to space in order for me to be happy is there any genre that you'll just flat out say there's no fucking chance I'm going to jump on this um, I don't think so. I mean, ultimately, like, I, I feel like with, with like, pump, you know, pop punk, um, like punk rock in general, ska music, reggae, like it's in my fucking bones since I was a little child. I mean, like it was like the, it, I mean, it was like the second album that I got was the Clash's first album. The third album I got was Peter Tosh's Equal Rights. You know, it's like this music is in my fucking bones. And someone that comes from from country music and tries to step over into like this and thinks, oh, well, I, they play a Les Paul and it's like um, they get a Marshall and, and I can do this. It's like it isn't the same and it's like when i go to nashville it's the same thing country music is not in my bones or in my blood i can tell a good story i mean i think country music is really about great storytelling but like if they're going to reference a bass tone from dolly parton's third album i'm going to have no fucking clue <laughs> if they reference fucking black flag six pack i'll know exactly how to get that bass tone right. so i think you know genre specific I'll never say no to anything, but I just don't know how well it'll it'll really connect if it's outside of my wheelhouse. Yeah. So what can you tell us about the rest of, say, the rest of the year? There's like three fucking weeks left. Goldfinger album's finally out. Obviously, you did the big used album. Uh, big City is obviously killing Sorry, Big Noise is killing it right now. Uh, what can you tell us about this Blink record? I know Mark is kind of talking about it every second day. <laughs> do we have a release date? Do we know where we are at? Is it an EP? Is it an album? You know, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's funny. I mean, tra I would consider Travis probably, I'd say Travis is like my best friend, I think. And neighbor, you know? right? You guys but, still live next to each other. But yet, I don't have an answer. 
I just don't have an answer. Like, I don't know if it's going to be an EP or an album or, um, or what's, I, I don't fucking know. So, uh, but I, I'm, I'm in the middle of working with Avril Lavigne. I'm stoked on that. Wow. I know. I mean, that, that's the great thing, I guess, to answer all these questions combined, like Goldfinger is the one thing that I can control. Like I, I can tell you, everything about my band like when i work with other bands it's like you know obviously my role is to help kind of put songs together and maybe sometimes write sometimes mix and and you know kind of like um you know but i don't know when the fuck things come out or what is going to make it on the album or what songs are going to go i mean it's just like it ultimately the bands make up that decision later on in the process um which is you know, to be honest, I mean, it can be really challenging when you're, especially when you're making albums with people and you, and, you, and I get my heart attached to certain songs. And then to know that sometimes they don't even ever come out, you're like, fuck. And this pandemic would also delay things as well, right? Because, you know, there's no, there's no touring going to be happening at least for a couple more months, at least festivals, whatever it may be. So you can't really map out any significant plans. Um, yeah, pandemic is definitely challenging because I mean, typically you, you know, write a bunch of songs, you record a bunch of songs, put out an album, then you go on tour and then you play all those songs live because it's so fun Mm -hmm. to play new songs when you're, when you're an artist. And so we can't do that now. You know, we've just got to sit and like, look at YouTube comments. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) You know, that's, I mean, I'd rather like play a song and have the crowd just sit there and then I know, okay, we'll never play this song again. This song sucks. I wish I could take it off the album, but I can't. <laughs> Do you, like, because again, Australia is doing pretty well and you mentioned maybe you'll be here next year. Was that you just spitballing or do you guys hope to come here? Because if, if America is still in that position where you can't really tour much, you can tour here. You just got to quarantine for two weeks. I mean, that's, see, that, <laughs> that's the problem. It's like, if we've got a crew of like 12 people and like putting them up in a hotel for two or three mm. weeks, it's like, it, it, it just, it costs so much more sure. than it would be, than we would be able to like afford. That's the only, that's the only issue. So, I mean, my guess is we'll tour after the vaccine exists. Cause I'm sure to, to come, you know, unless we want to quarantine for three weeks or two weeks, we'll have to have a card yeah. that says we've been quarantined. So I, I'm, I'm assuming it's around the corner. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. It's good to see your face as much as we can see it anyway. Um, yeah, we, yeah. We hope to see you in 2021, man. Thanks for having me. I hope so too. Big thanks to John Feldman for coming on this episode of the Green Room Podcast and thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, head over to thepodcast.com.au for previous episodes of the Green Room Podcast, including Auntie Donna, Tim Minchin, Foo Fighters. It's all there. Check it out, thepodcast.com.au. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. I'll talk to you all next week.